0: Welcome to On Purpose, a podcast designed for all women that want to live this one messy, hard, fun, challenging, and exciting life we've been given on purpose and with intention. It is our heartfelt belief that women do that better when we're together, better when we are connected, better when we learn from each other. Each episode, you'll be hearing from Elizabeth on a variety of ways that we can be more intentional with our lives. We hope to inspire you and encourage you as we engage together On Purpose. Here's your host, Elizabeth Pearson. Welcome back to On Purpose. We hope you had a great Thanksgiving with people you love, whether that's family or friends that are like family. Thanksgiving has given me personally a renewed attitude of gratefulness, so I just want to start by thanking you for joining us today. We couldn't do it without our listeners, and I want to let you know how truly grateful I am to those of you that keep tuning back in. The number of downloads that we already have has far exceeded anything I could have imagined. We've been wanting to do a podcast for a really long time, and if it weren't for my amazing friend and brilliant tech girl, Liz Taylor, it wouldn't be possible. So if you know her, please give her a shout out whenever you see her. In this process, one thing we've learned is that starting and maintaining a podcast and actually growing one or two completely different things. And that's where you've stepped in and stepped up. So thank you for that. We do value your feedback. And if you ever have any ideas for future topics that you would like to have covered, please reach out and let us know. So y'all, it is my absolute favorite time of the year. I absolutely love the holidays, and especially Thanksgiving. It's my favorite. Every year, we have 33 people come stay with us, and believe it or not, it is always so much fun. And last week was no exception. You know, the food, the games, the hikes, the old home videos, the activities were all so good. They were so fun. But my favorite thing about it is all staying under one roof, making memories together. It's what my kids look forward to the most every single year. And it's still the memories that we talk about over and over again. And every year there's some highlight or some event or something that happens that we will never forget, good or bad, but that will make our highlight reels, uh, like the Thanksgiving 2013. It will forever be etched into our memories. I want to give you a little background. I have three older brothers, and between the four of us, we have 23 children. And at the time, none of them were married yet. So including my dad and his wife, there were 33 of us staying at our house. 10 adults, and 23 children for the entire week. No, we're not Catholic, and no, we're not Mormon, but thanks for asking. For us, it's just the more the merrier, and I love having everybody here, but this one particular Thanksgiving will forever stand out. So picture this. It's Wednesday night, the night before I'm about to feed 33 people a huge Thanksgiving meal, and I crawled into bed, I guess it was around midnight, and I was thinking about all that I needed to do early the next morning. And I want you to get a really good visual of this, okay? Just picture this in your mind as you're listening. So right after I finally doze off to sleep, my daughter comes running up the stairs, literally screaming her head off for me to come downstairs. And I was a little out of it and I had no idea what was going on until I rounded the bottom of the stairs and the horrific odor hit me. I could see my dad's wife holding her nose with one hand and her nightgown up with the other hand. And my niece comes flying around the corner to see what the commotion was about. And the next thing I see is her feet go up in the air as she went sliding down the hallway on human waste. Did I mention that we're on septic? I'm just going to let that sink in for a second. All I know was that sometime after we went to bed, the septic tank backed up and it filled up the bathtub on the main floor. And then it overflowed the bathtub and the toilet and it ran out of the bathroom into the bedroom where my dad and his wife were staying. It ran down the hall and through the floor vents and began seeping through the basement ceiling, dripping on my brother's family as they slept. So, as you can imagine, we spent most of the night cleaning up the aftermath. And now I'm going on about, Two hours of sleep, and I have 33 people in my house that cannot shower, cannot use the bathroom, cannot wash any towels or clothes or anything else we used in the cleanup process. And I have a house full of people ready for a Thanksgiving feast in about six hours. So in case you ever get in this predicament, I want you to know that for a substantial holiday fee, we were able to have the septic tanks pumped and the water turned back on. Just in time for us to see the leak that had sprung flooding the laundry room out into the wood floor entryway and down through the basement ceiling. Thankfully, we were able to get that fixed and cleaned up so that we could make Thanksgiving meal to feed the hungry people that were in my home. Now, you might be thinking, whew, just imagining that has worn me out. Better you than me, Elizabeth. But I want to continue. Before we even finished our Thanksgiving dinner cleanup, the stomach bug managed to hit the masses. And before we knew it, 13 of the 33 people in our house were down for the count. Normally, I wouldn't go into this much detail about the stomach bug because no one likes to throw up or even hear about it. But I really want you to be able to feel like you were there. So Finley, our youngest child, who was about three at the time, got sick in her bed and came out of her room to tell us. And she was crying and she was telling us what happened. And she's standing up above the second floor by the railings. And she got sick again, <laughs> but this time through the upstairs spindles down to the family room below where my 15-year-old son, Maxton, was lying down on the couch watching TV, minding his own business. And when Finley got sick, it was with such precision that he did not have a dry spot on his shirt or on his head. Our company um, all went home taking their germs with them. And over the course of the next five days, six of the 10 of my immediate family got the stomach bug. And ironically, Maxton wasn't one of them. You see why Thanksgiving at our house is so much fun? No, but for real, it really, really is. And when it comes to the holidays, it can be the most wonderful time of the year, and it can come with its own set of stressors. And no matter how much you love the holidays, and no matter how much you love your family, parts of it can be hard for all of us. There are lots of jokes and movies about being with family at the holidays, and how hard that can be, especially in this divided culture that we live in today. And we think that we have all the answers and that others are just plain crazy. And I'm not just talking to those that have family members with differing political and religious and social views. I'm talking something as simple as vacationing with someone or being with others for extended periods of time. You will realize that people act, think, and believe differently than you do. Try it. Just spend extended time with other people and you might discover that others don't eat dinner at 5 o'clock and are asleep by 9.30. And you didn't even know that was a thing, that there was any other way to do that. Or after you eat the big turkey meal, the correct way to spend the afternoon is allowing the tryptophan to kick in, right? So you can settle in for an afternoon nap. And yet someone else deems the best way to spend the day is on a hike to burn those turkey day calories. Y'all, I have family that truly believes you have to hit Black Friday shopping at Odark 100, and I believe that's the one day you shouldn't shop at all. You see, we can tend to think that our way is the right way, and I know you know what I'm talking about. Have someone else load your dishwasher and tell me that you aren't wondering what in the world they were thinking as you were properly reloading it. If you've ever spent lengthy amounts of time with your extended family, you will quickly realize that you parent and discipline your children drastically different than those that you were raised with. Your very own sister, your very own brother, drastically different. Have you ever had your mother-in-law offer to help with the children, but you're ungrateful because of the way she does things? It's clearly not your way, which we know is the right way. And those are just minor familial examples. Imagine deeper-rooted beliefs on politics or money or religion. I recently heard this quote, and I want you to think about it for a minute. If you think you are so enlightened, go spend some time with your family. If you think you are so enlightened, go spend some time with your family. It struck me so much that I looked up the word enlightened just to see what this guy meant. And if you are so informed, educated, open-minded, intelligent, noble, flexible, or rational, go spend some time with your family. You see, family has a way of shining a light on parts of our hearts like very few other people can. And if you want to see where you have some work to do, spend some quality, lengthy time with your extended family. We all have different ways of doing things, different expectations, different desires, different ways we feel and show love, different routines even. And sometimes when you bump up against those differences it can actually reveal some things in your heart that might need healing, that might need work. And as hard as it can be, we can learn to see this as a gift, a gift. That person that does the things the wrong way in your kitchen, that person that's driving you crazy in the family kickball game because they have it confused with the Olympics, the opinionated one, the lazy doesn't ever lift a finger one, the one that is telling you how you should do everything, the one that constantly dismisses you. These people can be a gift to yourself if you figure out where that rub is and what's causing that reaction in you. For instance, David and I can experience the exact same thing and it will fly all over me and it doesn't bother him at all. What is that about? I look at him like, why are you fired up over this? You should be running to battle with me like Mel Gibson and Braveheart. And my friend Vicky tells me that's the gift of spot it, you got it. What's irritating you about someone else is often a reflection of something inside of you. What's irritating you about someone else is often a reflection of something inside of you. I remember when our kids were very young and we went to a parenting seminar and the guy said, the very thing that you're trying to discipline out of your kids is often the very thing you cannot control in yourself. Ouch. That'll preach, right? Not fond of their moodiness? You just might be a little moody yourself. You get angry with their anger issues? You might have some of your own. Can't tolerate when others show disrespect? Where are you disrespectful? You dislike chronic complainers? You might be a verbal fault finder yourself. Let me give you an example. Most of you know we have eight kids, so when all of them are doing any one thing, it's a lot. Doesn't matter what it is. And I could not stand when they would act like a traffic cop and tell on each other or would constantly correct other people. Like, they had to be right. Them being right meant everyone else was wrong. Funny, though, it didn't bother David at all. Why did it annoy me so much? If I'm honest with you, it's because I tend to do the same thing, and I don't like it inside of me. If I've been wrong, I want it to be known. If I've been wounded by someone, I want to feel justified in my hurt. David? Nope. He never feels the need to be right. He never corrects others when they're wrong. I remember one time sitting at a dinner table with a bunch of couples and the conversation for the guys turned to the Braves. And if there is one thing that my husband loves, studies, and knows, it's the Braves. And one of the guys kept harping on some stat that was incorrect. And I know David well enough to know by him shifting in his seat that this guy wasn't right. But the guy was emphatic about it. And you know what? David never said a word. We got in the car and I asked him. I'm like, why didn't you say something? Why didn't you correct him? You know the correct stat. And he just quietly looked at me and he said, I didn't need to. In the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter. And this guy clearly loved being the expert. So I just let him be. And I looked at him like he was crazy. But I also looked at him with huge admiration for his humility, something that I was lacking. And that's the gift of spot it, you got it. And when I see it in others, I can acknowledge the need to be right myself, the desire to be justified. And I can use it as an opportunity to work on my own humility. It takes the focus off of the person irritating me, and instead it puts it on myself. It's the Bible verse focusing on the plank in your own eye instead of the splinter in somebody else's. The people that we tend to spend a lot of time with over the holidays can be a gift to us. Thanksgiving is behind us, but Christmas is right around the corner, and I believe it's another great opportunity for lots of time with family and friends. And I hope that when you feel so enlightened or when you spot something in someone else that you will pause. You'll think of this reminder and use it as a gift to mend something inside of you. As I was preparing for my family to come again last week, making sure we had enough beds and sheets and towels for everyone and separate bedrooms for the newlyweds, making grocery lists and to-do lists and prepping for the games and prizes and planning all the activities, I realized that I can get caught up in the chaos of it all. And the hustle and the bustle and the busyness and the chaos around me often reflects the state of my heart. And what I'm learning is that what's going on around me often mirrors what's going on inside me, which in turn affects those around me. Does that make sense? What's going on around me is mimicking what's going on inside me, which impacts those around me. You see, I can pray myself up and try to be calm on the outside, but if I am restless or anxious or have inner turmoil, it won't matter a bit the energy that I bring to a situation or an event or a group of people is felt by all those involved, right? It's true. We all have lots to do, especially at this time of year. And it's so important that we check in with ourselves and recognize the being that we bring to our doing. If I'm peeling 20 pounds of potatoes with an attitude that is angry, resentful, or annoyed because no one is helping me, then all of those around me can feel that. And anything we do, We've got to check and see if we're bringing an attitude of defensiveness, fear, bitterness, trust, judgment, anxiety, arrogance, or tension to what we're doing. And it's important to get the potatoes peeled. Of course it is. Everyone wants mashed potatoes. But what's more important than the doing is the being or the life that I'm bringing to that deed. So in any task, if our hearts are full of peace, joy, humility, kindness, generosity, That is the life that we will be reflecting in our doing. And as I was thinking about all of this, it reminded me of the old thermostats, not thermometer analogy in our homes. I was lying in bed talking to my husband about this podcast and this topic and telling him about that. And after a really long pause of contemplation, he said, oh, I get it. We set the tones for our families as parents. We don't just report it. And although this is clearly new to him, he is exactly right and does this better than anyone I know. But it's not just setting the tone for our family or hosting people in your home at the holidays. It's also at the workplace. It's when you walk into somebody else's house. What are you bringing with you when you walk into a meeting, when you join in a conversation? Are you a thermostat or are you a thermometer? A thermometer simply tells you or reports the temperature in an environment, reacting to what is happening. A thermometer is always influenced by its surroundings. You put a thermometer in a mouth or an ear or forehead that is hot because of sickness, it will report a heated reading. A thermostat, on the other hand, regulates the temperature. Rather than merely reflecting on what goes on around it, the thermostat actually works to change it. The thermostat sets the temperature of the room. And every one of us has the opportunity to be a thermometer or a thermostat throughout the holidays but not just this month, like I said, at our homes, at the workplace, out with friends. The energy we bring with us when we walk in the door or sit down to the table can affect all of those around us. We all know this to be true of others, right? You know how the atmosphere of the room changes when your boss walks in or your husband comes home or that one friend shows up to the party or your in-laws show up to Christmas dinner. It's easy to look at everyone else but us, The question that I encourage you to ask is, what am I bringing to my interactions with others this month, this Christmas? Am I a thermometer living life like on a roller coaster controlled by the ups and downs that come with the busy season? Am I a thermometer reacting to the environment influenced by others and by my surroundings? Because if it's one of chaos and stress and tension, like it often can be at the holidays, am I reacting to that? Or am I regulating the temperature of the room? of the conversation, of the situation, helping to diffuse it, changing it, setting the tone to be one of peace, joy, laughter, love. What temperature do you desire? You need to know, what do you want to be known for when you walk into a conversation, when you walk into a room, when people join you at the holidays? You need to know that. And then you ask yourself, what small adjustments can I make to get it there? Because if we don't recognize the temperature that our thermostats are set at, we will always be the one at the end of the day who thinks everyone else is the problem and always ask questions like, why are these people so difficult to be with? It is so important to not only be a thermostat in a world of thermometers, but it's also important to regularly check the temperature settings to see if any adjustments need to be made. So this month, this Christmas, this upcoming year, how can we work to operate in a thermostat mode? I think, first of all, we need to decide how we want to show up regardless of how other people are going to act, regardless of who is going to be there, regardless of the one that you struggle with, regardless of whatever the situation unfolds. And then do regular check-in with ourselves to see if we are in reaction mode or if we are in response mode. We can control so little in our lives. We can't control the weather. We can't control the future. We can't control other people. But we can control what we bring to the table. We can control how we show up in response to the world around us. What we say, how we say it, and the energy that we bring to what we do. Another way we can live in a thermostat mode is taking ownership of our own moods, actions, and energy. It's like we said earlier, keeping our focus on the plank in our own eye. It will ensure that we are intentionally showing up in our life and in our relationships and not just haphazardly reacting to them. That's what we want from others, right? If you don't know your own moods, actions, and energy, I challenge you, ask your family. Boy, will they tell you. And it might be hard to hear, but just realize that if you don't ask or aren't aware, that information doesn't go away. It's still there, but everyone will recognize it. Everyone will see it but you. I know I've rambled enough. I just wanted to share what I'm currently working on this holiday season and my spot at You Got It, my living from a thermostat mode and doing regular check-ins with my moods, my actions, and my energies. There's no better time or place to do this, in my opinion, than with your extended family over the holidays. It's like flooding therapy. It will certainly heighten your senses. That's for sure. So this month, in your home, in your workplace, with your friends, this coming Christmas, whenever you're with people, I just hope maybe you too will look for the gifts of spot it, you got it, that you'll be aware of your interactions and ask yourself, am I being a thermometer right now or a thermostat? And then check in with your moods, your actions, and your energy. I love that we're all on the same journey of life together, learning and growing, works in progress. Thank you so much for listening to my holiday ramblings. We hope you'll join us next time on Purpose.